it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it sure is. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world. Broadcasting from the tippy top of the world famous My House. Uh, it is a home game for Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. A man who did not blame Florida hurricanes on climate change. Joe Biden did it again yesterday, telling the story about his fake house fire. I'm sick and tired of all this bullshit. It was a stupid day in Washington. It'll only get dumber as we run along today. But we'll be joined on the program by a woman in the race to replace Joe Biden, Nikki Haley, former governor of South Carolina. Happens to be surging in the aftermath of the first GOP presidential debate. She is going to stop by for a discussion about all things America. Uh, get her out. Get her out of here. Yeah, I wasn't think, didn't think Trump would be a huge fan, but we'll get into Trump as well. Uh, everything's in play. It's a big Thursday. We're peppy. 888-788-9910. Uh, if you are looking to be a part of the show. Also, the phone number, if you don't want to be a part of the show. You just want to call up and give me hell. That's fine. We don't care. Okay. You say anything you want. Garbage like you just makes me sick. You'll never be as harsh as the voices in my head. But 888-788-9910, you know the rules. You could be a Republican. You could be a Democrat, Libertarian, Independent. All we ask is that you don't be a If you are watching us uh, on the Fox Nation feed, uh, yes, you will notice I am home. So what we're doing is we're putting the finishing touches on a fancy razzle-dazzle new studio. Uh, at the Fox News Radio Division. It will be unveiled formally, I believe, this coming Tuesday, uh, at which point we'll be at full strength. But right now I get to hang out on Strong Island and see the Link Man, and it's almost like pandemic broadcasting. I quite enjoy it because it's like a throwback. Uh, you know, remember when you were watching TV in 2020 and someone's cat would walk through the shot or, you know, somebody would stand up at the end of a TV hit and you'd see they were wearing a sport coat, but they weren't wearing any pants. They were in their boxer shorts. It was a wild time to be alive. And this is kind of taking me back. Uh, unfortunately, not the only throwback coming my way today. So Joe Biden, he did it again. He did it again. Do you remember at the end of the Maui hurricane and the wildfire anyway? Okay, a wildfire that we now know for a fact was caused by down power lines and human dysfunction along the way. Okay, Biden, of course, showed up. He flew out to Maui. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did. And when he got there, he did what? He said, I know what you're going through. I had a fire. And, uh, you know, I almost lost my Corvette. I almost lost my cat. That man belongs in a nursing home, not in the White House. Do you understand, uh, first of all, there's nothing that belittles people's suffering more than making it about yourself. And not only making it about yourself, but making it about yourself in a hypothetical story that didn't actually happen. Okay, the Biden fire story has been debunked over 20 times. Yes, his microwave caught fire once, and it took the local fire authorities less than 20 minutes to get the thing under control and get everyone back into the house. But yesterday, in the aftermath of a what went from a Category 4 hurricane to a Category 3, thankfully down to a Category 1, where we didn't see nearly as much damage as had been predicted, thank God, Biden still got up at the White House 
and tried to make the case that this was some type of climate change. That's where it started. And along the way, he brought back up the house fire again. Okay, and you need to know this. It's insulting. I'm not saying this is a Republican. I'm saying this is an American. Bingo. Okay, we all deserve better than a president who shows up in the face of a tragedy. People's homes have been washed away. Yeah, I know you're going through uh, have my house almost collapse. Well, that's great. Their house did collapse, okay? They did get flooded. They did lose everything. Your made-up story, okay, it doesn't actually show us empathy. It shows us indifference. But here is Biden, clip two. I say, why can't I go back? Storm's over. Why can't I go back and look and see if I can find that wedding ring or why I can find that, that album? Can't find that thing that I've lost in the house. It's really tough. Really, really tough. I didn't know anything like that, but I lightning struck my house. We had to be out of that house for about seven months while it was repaired because so much damage was done to the house and half the house almost collapsed. You know, and you wonder what's, what's going to happen. We've already dedicated $400 million to pay for the debris removal. Once we get the toxic stuff out to take all the removal, and we're going to, the federal government's going to pay for that. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Good on the federal government for helping. Bad on him telling that ridiculous story that his family was out of their house for seven months. According to the local reporting, it was under control in 20 minutes and everybody was allowed back in. Biden's lost his marbles. This is not an instance, though. I mean it. This is not an instance of him losing his marbles. You watch those things, you know, where he's shaking the hands with the invisible people and everything in between. I get it. Okay, this is not that. This is Joe Biden at any age, a man who's always been full of Okay, he lies. He's willing to say anything in a room with no regard. This is the problem. Biden got started in politics at a time when what you said in one room didn't travel to another room. You weren't worried about cell phone cameras. You weren't worried about fact checkers. There was no 24-hour news cycle. So you could tell a lie in Pennsylvania with no regard for the fact that it, you know, no concern for the fact that it might get back to people in Delaware or Florida, Massachusetts. Nowadays, everything you say is on TV. Everything you say is videotaped and recorded. But Biden hasn't made the adjustment. So he continues to tell stories. It's like the Amtrak story, where he talks about how he traveled a million miles on Amtrak and his friend Angelo told him the story, except there's only one small problem. The guy Angelo died before Biden ever became vice president. We have a president that is clearly not all there. It's a mess, but this is just him lying, him being a fabulist, him being a sensationalist. Okay, understand, the next clip I'm about to play you is Biden blaming all these current hurricanes in Maui and Florida on climate change. That is a fact check false. We know for a fact that the climate was not the cause for the Maui wildfires. We know for a fact for a fact that, thankfully, by the grace of God, the Florida hurricane wasn't as bad as had been predicted. Now, that's no consolation if you're dealing with the extreme adversity that many people are. They've lost power. They've lost houses. Hopefully, and we pray that no one lost loved ones. Okay, but this is a real tough situation. Nonetheless, Biden, with a canned speech that was written for him before they actually took a tally of what the devastation amounted to, wound up giving a speech yesterday afternoon after the category four became a three and had been downgraded all the way to a one and then had been downgraded below that to a storm. Okay, Biden still spoke yesterday at the podium as if we had seen massive devastation and this could only be caused by climate change and we need to, you know, 
we need to make something happen immediately. You got to vote for us. We can control the weather. All of that ridiculousness. The only problem is his remarks were clearly prepared before the uh, you know before the damage had been assessed. So it really you know reeks of opportunism when you hear him out there saying all of these things, trying to piggyback on a level of emotion that really wasn't there nationwide. Biden sucks. Here it is, clip three. I don't think anybody can deny the impact of the climate crisis anymore. Just look around. Historic floods. I mean, historic floods. More intense droughts. Extreme heat. Significant wildfires have caused significant damage like we've never seen before, not only throughout the Hawaiian Islands in the United States, but in Canada and other parts of the world. We've never seen this much fire. And while we're dealing with this latest extreme weather event, I remain laser-focused on recovering and rebuilding efforts in Maui. We were out there, and many of you were there as well. It's devastating what happened there. You told some of the biggest lies that I've ever heard of in my whole life. Does anybody have any evidence, again, that the Maui wildfires were caused by the climate? The answer would be no. How about the Florida hurricane? The answer would be no. It's actually hurricane season, and this one, thankfully more mild than had been predicted. It's not to say they couldn't get hit by a hurricane sometime soon, but here's a newsflash. Florida has had hurricane season since the beginning of time. Okay, and the other thing you have to understand is when these climate pimps get on TV and start beating you up with what they consider to be the data, oh, it's more expensive now. Storm damages never cost as much as it does today. That must be some evidence of climate change, you see. No, but Jimmy, we're spending all this extra money repairing stuff. That's a guy. We weren't doing that before climate change. Okay, the reason it costs more money to prepare things now in places like Florida is there's more people living there. Correct the mundo. Okay, there are more schools. There are more houses. There are more stores. There are more cars. There are more shopping malls. Okay, there are, I mean, if we're going to be technical, there are more strip clubs. Hubba, hubba. Okay, the point is there's more everything now. And yes, there's going to be more things in the path of the storm. Goods also cost more now than they used to. There's also more high-end real estate now than there had been, say, 50 years ago. Florida's population has grown by 20 million people since the 1950s. Ergo, when a storm comes, it's going to cost more to repair. Okay? That's how it works. He knows what he's talking about. But what Biden's doing in this moment is just trying to piggyback on the emotion of the situation and try to make the case that it's climate change. Why do they do this every single time? We talked about this yesterday. It's because the climate movement, okay, first of all, it's white privilege. The only people in it are white. 99.9% of the climate movement is rich white people, okay? They feel a white guilt for their own prosperity, and they try to make peace with it by convincing themselves that they're saving the world. They're crazy. No, I know it's bad that I fly around in a private jet and don't do anything. I contribute nothing to society. But I'm saving the world, you see. So it's, I mean, I'm not personally, my actions are actually increasing pollution. But the fact that I'm telling other people to decrease their pollution is actually going to save the world someday. So what I'm doing is a good thing. That's who they are. It's coastal elites that want to believe they can save the planet. Okay, they know the truth. But the people donating the money don't because they want to believe, too. Pay up, suckers. They're white people who feel some sense of societal guilt. They've been sold this lie that they were raised in a systemically racist country. I promise you, systemically racist countries do not elect 
the people they're racist against to lead them. That's not how it works. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. If you're a systemically racist country, there's no such thing as a President Obama. Okay? It's no such thing. Okay? You're not talking, not even uh, the women of color, like Elizabeth Warren. Okay? She doesn't even get in. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like the Ayanna Presleys, the Rashida Tlaibs, the Ilan Omars, the AOCs, the, the Cory Bushes, not, the, none of these women, none of these people have a place in our politics. Not Kamala Harris, not Cory Booker. They don't exist. Not Tim Scott, not Byron Donald. If we are a systemically racist country, None of these people would be leading us in office. I think he's got a point. But they keep trotting out this same lie because it works, okay, part and parcel with the climate guilt. Hey, you're growing up in a systemically racist country where you've got everything at your disposal. The least you can do is save the planet for these people. Now go ahead, okay? We're going to pass around the collection plate because this racist country, you owe it to these other minorities. Please give us money. That's the grift, dude. That's how it works. I'm not talking to you as a Republican or some Fox News radio actor. I don't care. I'm not in charge of our democracy. I love talking about it. I'll stand behind the magician and tell you how they do their tricks. This is where the rabbit goes. That's where he guesses your card. That's what's going on. I'll tell you the truth. Okay, white guilt and climate change are one and the same. That's how they get it done. And they have a perfect vessel in Joe Biden because he's a doddering old coot who's willing to say anything, anything, if he thinks it'll help his political plight. Okay, he's not always in a rush to say it. For instance, it took him 13 days after these fires in Maui occurred for him to actually get off his ass and go visit. I guess he was just waiting for the beaches to reopen so he'd have something to do while he was there. But as we sit here right now, there's 800 people missing in Maui. The vast majority of them are children. Is Biden talking about them? The answer would be no. No, he's pushing his climate change agenda. Why is he pushing his climate change agenda? Because the people don't matter as much as the politics. And there's never been a better time to feel that way and be in power because they have an empty vessel of a president who they can trot out there and make him read anything they want on the teleprompter. Okay, if you are a D.C. bureaucrat trying to push climate change, trying to push vaccines, okay, you are always a pudding cup away from getting your way. Hey, Joe, uh, you know, do me a favor. Go blame this on the climate change. Do we have any? Di- hey, you want your you want your pudding cup, old man? Is it vanilla? Yeah. All right. Well, no, I'll read it. Hey, Joe, we're, we're trying out another vaccine, even though the other ones didn't work. We're going to recommend an 85th booster. Wait, wait, do we have any? Hey, hey, ho, you want that pudding cup? Yes or no? And he's like, all right, all right, all right, I'll read it. And that's what goes on. And that's what we're watching, okay? We have a president in the White House that's always been a weapons-grade, you know, bull artist, okay? You couple that with the fact that he's just now an old, bribable buffoon, okay? And you get things like you got yesterday, which is people blaming storms on climate change, despite the fact that we have no data whatsoever to back them up, other than the fact that everybody making that claim is a out-and-out Shameless clown. If you're having trouble sleeping, ask your doctor about Bidenica, the sleep aid made from 100% Joe Biden press conference. The best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you, that you uh, um, like to be able to 
Anyway. Bidenica has a patented blend of confusion and forgetfulness that will calm the most overactive brains. COVID has taken this year, just since the outbreak, has taken more than 100 years. Look, here's the lives. It's just, it's, I mean, you think about it. When they sold out American jobs and killed the Keystone Pipeline, it kept me up all night worrying about how we pay our bills. But then I got Bidenica. And I've never slept better. Sometimes when I get hopped up on sugar, my parents give me Bidenica so I pass out. Other times they give it to me during the day, probably so they can do the deed. Gross. Warning. People who have used Bidenica have experienced rapid lying and an inability to secure the southern border. Others have hallucinated and fought breakfast cereals. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Ask your doctor if Bidenica is right for you. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Fox News Radio On Demand on the Fox News app. Download the app and just click listen. When you swipe left, you can listen to your favorite Fox News talk shows live. Swipe right for the latest Fox News Radio newscasts on demand. Fox News Radio on the Fox News app. Download it today. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. If they have a motto in the climate crowd, it is always be closing. Remember Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross? Always be closing. Here's Chris Hayes saying Ron DeSantis is actually trying to make climate change worse. Clip seven. Given all of that, you would think that the people who represent that uniquely precarious slice of land jutting out into the ocean in the path of increasingly severe storms would be fervently trying to mitigate the risk, reduce the enormous amounts of energy we are pumping into the atmosphere. But the reality is literally the opposite. Florida's Republican leaders are actually trying to make it worse actively. Governor Ron DeSantis is refusing to accept $350 million in energy efficiency incentives that Florida is eligible for under the Inflation Reduction Act. He's just saying, burn it, no thanks, to hundreds of millions of dollars. That was absolutely dreadful. Maybe Governor DeSantis knows, are you ready for it, that he can't control the weather. Oh, wow! Guys, climate change is a scam. It is a scam pushed predominantly by a movement of people that is 99% rich and 99% white. That's who does this. And understand, they don't give you data. They give you shame. They give you guilt. But understand you're living in a world where China is causing 27 times as much pollution as we are, which means not a single solitary thing we'll do in the name of climate change will cut emissions, but it will cut down our economy, which is the problem we've been struggling with under these green energy idiots that continue to push these policies. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Going to take a very quick trip over to CNN. CNN is the worst. Caitlin Collins last night, she's talking to Representative Jaron Moskowitz. And the question she asks, it's so stupid, is how can the GOP handle hurricanes if they won't acknowledge there's a crisis? It's so stupid. Here it is, clip nine. Some Republicans who are running for his job are doing just that. I mean... How do you deal with a crisis if lawmakers and the White House can't even find consensus on it? Well, look, not every disaster, right, is necessarily because of the climate crisis. But I can tell you mm. the hurricanes that are affecting Florida are. 
This went from a tropical storm to a category four storm in 24 hours. It's called rapid intensification. It's the same oh, thing that happened God. in Hurricane Michael. That's supposed to be the exception. It's now becoming the rule. <laughs> Good for him. They came up with a new rapid intensification. This went from a tropical storm to a hurricane. Do you know how many hurricanes went from a tropical storm to a hurricane? Are you ready for it? All of them. Oh, you're going to tell me because this happened in 24 hours, the classification changed? Yeah, you know what else happened? The classification was downgraded three times in less than six hours. Okay, being technical, I'm looking at the what? Yeah, it would be between six and ten hours that the classification was downgraded three times. So should we also argue that climate change is causing the de-intensification of storms? I think he's got a point. Yeah, and you know what the point is? You're full of Guys, we've had hurricanes in Florida our whole lives. We've had tornadoes in Tornado Alley. We've had earthquakes in California. We've had snow in snow-prone regions. It's hot in Arizona. Right now, te Texas is so hot right now, I just saw the devil walk through Tyler with a fan in each hand. Okay? It's hot. It's always hot. This is always the weather. But they get on TV and all oh, the... Rapid intensification. Okay, so you tell me that's why we should believe there's climate change. But it was de-escalated in a lot less time than it escalated. It's so stupid. Steve's down in Florida. He knows things. Yo, Steve. Yeah, man, it's always a pleasure to be with you. And let My me man. tell you, I, I was uh, telling your wonderful screen caller, I, you know, I went as a county commissioner, I went through... Ivan, Katrina, Wendy, Cindy, Arlene, Wilma, in a year period. Now, of course, I'm on all these as a county commissioner. We take control and authority over hurricanes. And with Max Mayfield on the other end, we listened to everybody. And during 2004, 2005, 2006, we went through probably 12 named storms on the Gulf Coast. Never once did I hear anything about climate change. Ever. Mm -hmm. I didn't hear one word. And so these people who sit about rapid intensification, I was partying my earth off over in New Orleans as Katrina went back across Florida, back across Florida, came into the Gulf. The governor calls me. I'm partying like a rock star in the middle of New Orleans, as any good Republican should be. And <laughs> he calls me. He, he's like, where are you? I said, I'm in New Orleans. He goes, you need to get your butt back to Mobile. Katrina's a Category 5 now. Wow. And so rapid intensification, when things like that, when it gets into the Gulf, it's like a pinball machine. It yeah. can go anywhere, and it can, it can accelerate at any time. It's been doing this for the dawn yeah. of time. But the, you see what it is is what we haven't been doing since the dawn of time is making up new terms for the weather that make them sound interesting, like these new metrics, like rapid intensification. He cites that with no historic comparison, like you just gave to None. something like Katrina. And oh, by the like, and, and there's no basis on how many storms were upgraded in category in a short window of time. You, so you see where it's like they're getting away with misleading the public by just withhold selectively sharing information oh well this thing sped up quick okay well did he mention the fact that it also de-escalated a lot quicker than anyone thought of course not but it's such no. an amazing scam 
and it's and it's completely well, it, god yeah what i could say and we rebuild better and stronger along the coast now the one thing i can say is insurance rates and the insurance companies have definitely just hammered people along yep. with inflation biden's inflation everything else everybody are you know i can tell you this along the gulf coast is that people are getting dropped are their insurances increasing almost 400 percent those nuts. are the things this idiot needs to be worrying about excuse my french that's but the good. deal is that's the one thing he needs to be worrying about is how to control that and not sit there to control the weather you're never going to do it and you just talked about the devil and mm-hmm. Pensacola Beach we were 117 last week what? I actually thought I lived on the sun as opposed <laughs> to Panhandle Florida is that a real number 117 it was it was brutal but I was golfing yeah of course you were but you understand I mean it's it's the climate change that got you there it was never hot on the golf course in Florida before the climate change right that's right. I'm He's, not a quitter, Jimmy. I'm going to be out there regardless of what the temperature is. I, I, I remember years back golfing in Florida in August with a winter coat on and scarf and mittens because it was always historically so cold in Florida in August before this climate change got started. Save yourself, Steve. Yeah. We such love a you, baby. You're the best, buddy. I'll see you soon. Get back to the bar. There he goes, the great Steve. I mean, listen to them. Okay, when you hear, and I'm just giving you an honest conversation. I'm not an activist. I don't care. Okay, but understand, when you hear them selectively citing data, the rapid intensification, did he share any other historic storms to compare it to? The answer would be no. I don't know. Maybe did he cite how many times? Maybe not a specific storm, but did he give us maybe a general number? of how many times in history storms have been upgraded in category in a 24-hour period? The answer would be no. No, they just come up with a term. It's like when you think of, like, the winter. Do you remember in the winter when they were like, it's a bomb cyclone? That's a snowstorm. (laughs) They come up with all of these terms. You know, because, again, you hear the terms. (laughs) Never heard that term before. There must be something going on here. And that's what they do. That's how they prey on gullible people. And they weaponize social pressure to get their way. It's a big thing. Okay, when you talk about so many issues that they've tried to implement, if you talk about a vaccine mandate, okay, and understand, they trashed the vaccine before they mandated it. But understand, this is where we started on the vaccine. I'll give you a good example. So this is during the 2020 election, Biden and Harris are not trusting the very vaccine they wound up mandating. Let's just say there's a vaccine that is approved and even distributed before the election. Would you get it? Well, I think that's going to be an issue for all of us. If and when the vaccine comes, it's not likely to go through all the tests that needs to be and the trials that are needed to be done. When we finally do, God willing, get a vaccine, who's going to take the shot? Who's going to take the shot? You can be the first one to say, put me, sign me up. Well, guess what? That guy who said, who the hell's going to take the shot? You going to be the first one? You know who wound up being the first one? That guy. He got injected during the transition season. I don't remember that ever happening. He got to, in December of 2020, Joe Biden, just weeks removed from saying, who the hell's going to take this thing, went out and took it. That's just how white folks will do you. Understand that. And then turned around and mandated it. Forget whether or not 
They're willing to give you long-term data on how it might affect you. Forget whether or not we have any data on whether it actually stops transmission. As it turns out, it doesn't. You'd die from COVID even if you had it. Okay, the same guy that was bashing it turned around and mandated it. And people were rightfully hesitant, so what did they do? They pistol-whipped you with social pressure. Oh, you're going to get other people killed. Come on, you have no right not to take this. Screw your freedom. You're going to kill my grandma. That's what's going to happen. Democrats are so full of crap. That's how they get their way, through social pressure, through the selective omission of data. Yes, if you are a young, healthy person, if you're my son Lincoln, you can get COVID, you're going to be fine, okay? But if you're, you know, 700 pounds, okay, and you have comorbidities, you can get COVID, you could have a problem on your hands. Okay, but understand, they selectively omit that data and just say, well, you know, the young guy has no right not to get it because he could give it to that old guy and then the old guy would die from it. But then you say to yourself, well, if the older guy has been vaccinated... Why the hell would it matter what the young guy does, given that we were told the vaccine stops transmission? Now, you know how they respond to that logic. They go, you're a murderer. That's COVID disinformation. You're going to get us all killed. You should ban this guy from Twitter. Shut him down. I don't want him there. You're the lowest form of life on earth. They go right in on you. Hey, we were told the vaccine would stop transmission. People are dying who've been vaccinated. What's their response? You're so ugly you can be a modern art masterpiece. <laughs> You're like, whoa, what just happened? Hey, I got the vaccine, but I got COVID. What's up with that? And they're like, Why, you little maggots? You make me want to vomit. But they don't actually give you a factual rebuttal. The party of science is now the party of science fiction. That's how it works. Hey. You told me men can get pregnant. Only girls can be the mummies. Only boys can be the daddies. Yes, sir. I mean, that's traditionally what we were told. That's what we knew. Okay. But you told me men can get pregnant. What do you, how is that even a thing? And they're like, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. And then you get fired and they call you a transphobe and they say you're a monster and a murderer and you're sparking a trans genocide. That's how they get their way. This is why I tell you all the time, you can't let people control the language, because if they control the language, they control you. The biggest challenge we have right now to a substantive debate is the Democrats and a lot of people on the left have gotten accustomed to getting their way by screaming the loudest. You're a racist. You're a transphobe. You're a homophobe. You're spreading COVID misinformation. You're a Putin puppet. Whatever the hell you say that happens to be at odds with them, they're going to crack down with some type of slanderous term. But understand, when you're getting into a battle of facts, okay, the people who have the facts, you understand, don't need to resort to name calling. They just say, hey, let's chop it up. Show me your facts. I'll show you mine. Let's have a debate. Let's get this done. That's what they do. Okay, the old adage is when you have the facts, you pound the facts. When you have nothing, you pound the table. The Democrats have been pounding the table on vaccine mandates, on climate change, on racism, on transphobia, on anything you can think of. And we're now getting to this junction where there's enough people calling BS but you understand this is their business model. So it's not going to stop if you don't put people in office that will legitimately fight back against it. Okay, we had a lot of talk. I'll play the Mitch McConnell clip in the next break. It's very sad. 
that Mitch McConnell froze again. He glitched out. He pulled the Biden yesterday, and it was tough to watch, man. He was taking questions and just, you know, glitched out. They're saying it could be a symptoms of Parkinson's that's been previously diagnosed, which is why they didn't rush him in for medical treatment. But the fact remains we got people leading the country that are in screensaver mode, okay? That's not necessarily good. You understand it's not good. But when you raise that question about a Republican, they're like, that's ageist. Come on, this is, you know, Donald Trump once walked down a ramp in the rain, and they were like, it's time to invoke the 25th Amendment. Look at how delicately he walked down the ramp. But then Joe Biden actually shakes hands with an invisible person, says God saved the queen, and then claims we beat cancer all in the same week, and you don't get a word out of anybody. And this is why we can't have nice things. We have a country that's just being run by clowns. I mean, that's the reality of right now. Okay, and when it comes to climate change and it comes to social pressure, okay, that is the number one tool in the arsenal. Why the hell would we debate these people if we could just call them names? He's a lousy dad, but he's right. It's the show that never hits the books. I love the poorly educated. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We're going to be speaking with GOP presidential candidate Nikki Haley at the tippy top of the next hour. Uh, One of the things she's been adamant about is the need for term limits and cognitive tests for the people running our government who happen to be in their late hundreds. Uh, We got another example of such things yesterday. Mitch McConnell uh, freezing up in public. This is not great audio because it's taken from a press conference, but I want you to hear it, and then I'll give you a little medical background from Dr. Siegel. It's clip 17. Sorry, I had a hard time hearing you. That's okay. What are your thoughts on running for re-election in 2026? What are my thoughts about what? Running for re-election in 2026. Oh. That's right. Did you hear the question, Senator? Running for re-election in 2026? All right, I'm sorry, you all. We're going to need a minute. Senator. Benny. Yep. And then she just took him out of there, uh, which is, you know, sad. It's a hard thing to watch. You can't begrudge him, you know, the condition he happens to be in. But you certainly can make the case that people should not be leading our country in the capacity that McConnell is in or Diane Feinstein is in or Joe Biden is in. Okay, but here's Dr. Mark Siegel explaining what probably happened to McConnell. It's clip 18. I saw a freeze, and we, in medicine, we use some term called the differential diagnosis. And I have to tell you, at the top of that list, and again, I haven't examined them, and I don't have any background on this, except I've talked to some people in Congress and in the Senate, would be Parkinson's disease, because that, in its later stages, can give you a freeze, and it can also explain why no one around him in these freezes is panicking and saying, this could be a stroke, this could be a seizure. It could be those things, too, by the way. But again, then you would rush him into immediate treatment and analysis. You'd do an MRI, you would do an EEG to see if it could be a seizure. But if it's Parkinson's, you already know about that. So you understand that's just a, you know, a takeaway from afar. He hasn't diagnosed the guy. But it is telling that McConnell keeps glitching out in public and they're not rushing him in for immediate medical attention. It's almost like they might be aware of a condition and, uh, you know, not something we're happy about. But the fact remains, this country um, is in a very peculiar footing on the world stage right now. Okay, China has been emboldened 
in ways it's never like they've encircled Taiwan. You understand they have partnered with Russia. Okay, our border is being overwhelmed with record levels of fentanyl that have caused a record level of overdose deaths. Biden is such a disaster. Understand, we keep calling them overdoses, and today is National Overdose Day. Okay, but we're misleading people and calling them overdoses because they're poisonings. An overdose implies that you took a ton of drugs and it eventually caught up to you because one day you took too many. A lot of these people are the victims of the reality we now call one pill can kill. It's a college kid. No recreational drug history. Just decided he was going to take an Adderall to stay up late writing a term paper. Dead. Okay, that's a reality right now. That's going on in the world. Okay, our currency is devalued. Okay, our streets do appear lawless in a lot of regions of the country. We need someone in the White House right now that can actually lead. Like, this is not a lounge chair time. I understand Biden has now spent... Uh, thir- uh, excuse me, 24 out of 31 of his past 31 days on the beach. Okay, that's not a commander-in-chief, dude. That's just a dude in a retirement home, and he should be in a retirement home at his age. But there's so many things facing us that the physical demands of this job cannot be met by somebody. You know, you know, you say you got to walk and chew gum at the same time. we got a guy right now who can't walk. I mean, he's falling down after commencement speeches. So we need new leadership, and somebody who making the case to be your next leader is going to join us at the top of the next hour. Nikki Haley, batting leadoff after this. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it is, and we are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world. Big Thursday episode of Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon. And we are fired up because at the tippy top of this hour, we are being joined by a woman who is the 16th governor of South Carolina, the 29th U.N. ambassador. She could very well be the first female president. But for the purposes of this conversation, let's call her the Miley Cyrus of politics because she came into the first GOP primary debate like a wrecking ball. Nikki Haley back in the house on Fox Across America. Hello, hello. Jimmy, it's great to be with you again. I'll say. Uh, are you in a Miley Cyrus mood? I mean, we thought you stole the show at the debate. My wife was fired. She was cheering for you. Jenny Fela, we're married 17 <laughs> years. She's not passionate about anything. I kid. Well, you know, I, it's interesting. Debates are great because they allow the American people to see what their options are. And you can not only just hear about the solutions and how they communicate, but you can see leadership. And yes, yes, I do have the ability to be a wrecking ball when I um, see something that's wrong. And, you know, and I do also call out truths. I just think it's important that the American people know the truth and that you let the chips fall where they may. And I think that's what happened in the debate. Fair. Uh, Do you think people underestimated you a little bit? Because I do. I did get the takeaway from, you know, in casual conversation that you really did sneak up on a lot of people. I've always been underestimated, literally in everything I've ever done. But it's been a blessing. It's what makes me scrappy. I mean, you know, at the Iowa State Fair, I was wearing a T-shirt that said, underestimate me. That'll be fun because I'd rather be underestimated and go and surprise people than anything else. So I'm fine with it because, you know, at the end of the day, we have a country to save and I'm going to keep getting my message out there and keep fighting for the things that I think the American people care about and, you know, make our points known. Yeah, well, I think more than anything, what people want is a substantive conversation. 
you know, there were, you know, moments that got personal during the debate, as they do when you've got 85 candidates on a stage. But I think it's the focus on substance that really matters the most. And one of the things where you really broke out was on the issue of abortion, because you were speaking to a reality that nobody in the party really does. When you talk about the need to get 60 senators, um, do you think you're uniquely positioned within the party to engage the Democrats on issues like abortion, which, to be honest with you, was a overwhelming factor in the midterms in ways I don't think the Republican Party anticipated? Yeah, I mean, look, I don't think the fellows know how to talk about abortion, period. I think that at the end of the day, um, you know, I felt like people weren't telling the American people the truth. I am unapologetically pro-life, not because the party tells me to be, but because my husband was adopted and I had trouble having both of my children. But having said that, I'm not going to, you know, go and judge anyone for being pro-choice any more than I want them to judge me for being pro-life. And what Mm -hmm. they have done is demonize this issue instead of telling the American people that the truth is we didn't need unelected justices deciding this. We wanted it in the hands of the people, which is what happened. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to a federal law is what they're talking about. In order to pass anything, you have to have a majority of the House, 60 Mm -hmm. Senate votes and a signature by a president. And we haven't had 60 pro-life senators in over 100 years. So no Republican president could ban abortions any more than a Democrat president could ban those state laws. So instead of that, why don't we just come to a consensus on what we do agree on? And I do think that most Americans agree that we shouldn't have late-term abortions. I do think that most Americans think that we should encourage adoptions and good quality adoptions. I do think most Americans think that doctors and nurses who don't believe in abortion shouldn't have to perform them. I do believe Americans think that contraception should be accessible. And I do think that Americans believe none of the state laws should say if a woman has an abortion that she's going to go to jail or get the death penalty. You know, let's start there. Let's humanize this issue rather than demonizing this issue. No, I think that's a fantastic take. Nikki Haley is on the line. Uh, The only place where you and I would disagree on the pro-life movement is there's a phrase I hear a lot where people say every child is a gift. Now, i got to be honest. I've met some kids where I wish they (laughs) held on to the gift receipt. You know, Uh, maybe stood in that exchange line. Okay, we don't need to get off message. I'm just sharing my personal sentiments. I don't need you to weigh in on anyone specific. As parents, we all know, as parents, we all know they can be a blessing, but sometimes they can be a tough blessing. So that's okay. (laughs) So every child's a gift, but sometimes you want a re-gift. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Put a a bow back on this thing. Get it out of the house. Uh, Let me throw this one at you because, you know, one of the things that I really think did stand out and set you apart was your willingness to speak blunt truths okay you got into a dust-up with Vivek a little bit over foreign policy but in the ensuing fallout he's obviously doing a lot of media right now does he sometimes come across like he's auditioning for a role in the Democratic squad because a lot of these takes on the Middle East sound like like AOC wrote them it's I mean literally we said that today I mean his take on Iran Literally, he would blend in great with the squad in the way that he thinks about it. I mean, first of all, the idea that he wants to, you know, end a partnership with Israel is ludicrous. The fact that he thinks he can go and give Russia, you know, portions of Ukraine. I don't know how an American president can decide, you know, two other countries and what land is going to be given. But to say that he's going to do that and all of a sudden he'll then go to Russia and say, you can't be friends with China anymore I mean, that's just as naive as it gets. And then to say he'll give a portion of 
you know, or he'll turn Taiwan over to China once we get all the chip industry that we want. It's just, it's narcissistic to think that America doesn't need friends. We need friends. We need allies. And, you know, whether it's the Israel side, you know, it's not that Israel needs us. We need Israel. They're the front line of defense for Iran. We need Ukraine because they've shown themselves to be a strong military force. And, you know, we need them to defeat Russia. Otherwise, we're looking at a war. If if Putin does what he says he's going to do by going into Poland and the Baltics, we're trying to prevent war. When it comes to China and Taiwan, we have to remember that a win for Russia is a win for China. That's the reason we want to make sure that we, you know, make sure that Ukraine wins. Because if Ukraine wins, China won't go into Taiwan. So, look, I think he's incredibly naive in the way he talks about it. And I think it can be reckless when you throw things like that against the wall and think it's going to stick. And I, th- I think we have to be honest with the American people and tell them that our goal is to prevent war. And the way you prevent war is with strength. No, fair. We're talking to Nikki Haley, GOP candidate for the presidency of the United States of America. Do we know, because I haven't really heard it defined out of the Biden administration, what would constitute victory for America in Ukraine? I know we say prevent war, but are you saying we need to engage in more of it to get less of it? Like, what is the actual end game there? Well, first of all, I don't think we put cash on the ground in Ukraine. I don't think we need to put troops on the ground. I think we just make sure that they have the equipment and the ammunition to win. And, you know, you've had this narrative where people think, oh, well, you know, you can't secure the border if you're working with Ukraine. You do both. The amount of aid that we've given Ukraine is only three and a half percent of our defense budget. Percentage of GDP, 11 European countries have given more than the U.S. has. But our goal is this didn't have to happen. One, if Biden wouldn't have had the debacle in Afghanistan. Two, if he would have acted more quickly, this war would have already been over. Three, let's keep in mind that the war would be over if Russia got out today. It would all be over. But the way we do that is there have been missed opportunities. What should have happened? They missed it a couple of weeks ago. What should have happened is when NATO was meeting, they should have pushed to agree to give Ukraine an invitation to NATO. First of all, that wouldn't have required anything else of the U.S. We wouldn't have had to do any more. Secondly, it would have told Putin that, uh uh-oh, they are actually going to bring Ukraine in because Russia has never invaded a non-NATO country. They've invaded Georgia, Ukraine, and Moldova. None of those are NATO countries. Mm -hmm. So it would have told Putin he needs to get an exit strategy, but it also would have told Zelensky that there could be an exit strategy because he could have gone back and said, okay, we're now going to have the invitation and he would have looked for an exit strategy. So we missed that opportunity at that point too. And so our goal is we want this to end quickly, but we've got to figure out how to get Russia out. And quite honestly, Ukraine, their military has been fantastic. I mean, you look, they've eliminated 50% of Russia's defense system. They, you know, have hit rock bottom because they're getting drones from Iran and missiles from North Korea. They raised the draft age in Russia, get this, Jimmy, to 65. What? They're pretty desperate at this point. Are you telling me Russia doesn't have term limits either? They don't have term limits either, and they're taking people off the streets and handing them shovels. (laughs) 
this is crazy. I mean, Nikki Haley's on the line. You know, we had a very difficult moment yesterday with Mitch McConnell. Uh, we've seen a lot of these moments with Biden and certainly Dianne Feinstein, and we don't begrudge anybody the condition they happen to be in. But it's a really delicate needle you're trying to thread. And it's admirable, okay, because everyone agrees with you that we probably need either A, term limits or some type of cognitive test. Uh, how could you as a president go about coaxing people into getting on board with that? Well, I mean, first of all, it was sad to see what happened to Mitch yep. McConnell. I mean, no, no one celebrates that. Yep. But we have to deal again in another hard truth. The Senate is the most privileged nursing home in the country right now. And the problem is they're not, you know, we have to have term limits. I do think we have to have mental competency tests for anyone over the age of 75. I don't care if we do it over the age of 50, but these yeah. are people making decisions on our national security, making decisions on the future of our economy. And so in order to do that, what you do is I think we've got to do it from the outside in. You know, when it comes to term limits, I think anybody that runs Part of that platform is we need to make it very visible on whether they're going to sign a term limits pledge or not, and that includes incumbents. And with the mental competency test, these are something just like when they file to run, they can go and submit their mental competency test from their doctor. doesn't mean they can or can't run, but it means yeah. that at least the voters would know how they do. And these are simple things. This is like what town were you born in? Yeah. Or mention three words with the same letter or how many <laughs> grandchildren do you have? Yeah. You know, Biden oh. can't answer that. <laughs> oh, that's tricky. <laughs> it's like technically or how I acknowledge it. So what you're saying <laughs> is show me the Carfax. You want everybody to show the Carfax, which, by the way, Absolutely. would not only be would not only would it be good for politics, wouldn't it be good for dating if everybody you met at a bar had to give you the Carfax on everyone they dated and everything that went on? It'd save a lot of time, wouldn't it? <laughs> I, don't, I don't need any additional comment on that, but yes, brilliant. Uh, last one. Um, you've obviously been a huge supporter of Kamala Harris, and I know you just love everything she does. Uh, do she, <laughs> but isn't it so silly when the criticisms of her are reduced to race, knowing that she ran for president as a Democrat, was polling at 1% in her own party? So how is it that we're racist if we don't approve of the job she's doing, but Democrats had her at one percent in her home state and never got accused of that. I mean, Jimmy, they can't stand the fact that I'm telling the truth in the fact that a vote for Joe Biden is a vote for a president, Kamala Harris. That's just a fact. Everybody knows that. Republicans know that. Democrats know that. So now the liberals are now saying I'm racist for saying that. This has nothing to do with her gender. This has nothing to do with her race. This has everything to do with her incompetence. Mm -hmm. It should send a chill up every American spine to think of the fact that we could have a President Kamala Harris. She literally has failed at everything she has done in this, with this administration. And we're going to call it like we see it. It's important that people know that. And they don't want us to say it because they know how unpopular she is. Uh -huh. And they don't want us to say it because they know that we see Biden's in decline. But this is exactly why we have to win the general election. We can't afford to have Kamala as our president because we would lose our country. And I'm not going to allow that to happen.
Yeah, yeah, good for you. There, uh, sadly, there are no participation trophies on the world stage. You know, and no, I don't want to can't can't learn that the hard way. Uh, as, as it pertains to the general election, and then we'll let you go. Um, you know, one of the big challenges right now within the party is I feel like we have a good amount of people who can win the general election, uh, but of course, the party leader right now, at least by the metric of the polls, is Donald Trump. Are you concerned? I know you've pledged to support the nominee no matter who it is, but are you concerned that Trump? can't win the general given the legal baggage i am concerned about that i mean look trump is a friend of mine and i it was an honor to serve in his administration and but and i do think that you know government has completely been weaponized against him but the reality is that he's he said himself last week that he's not going to be able to campaign as much because he's going to be dealing with court cases and Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, when you're looking at all that time he's going to be spending in court instead of on the campaign trail, Americans are going to see that and feel that. And it's going to be very hard for him to win a general election. He's one of the most disliked politicians in America. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this is about making sure that we fix this. When I get in there, we will end the weaponization. We will make sure that they no longer, you know, are going after Republicans the way they are. But we have to win the election to make that happen. And the only way we win that election is to make sure that we um, really put someone there that can do that. The Biden uh, Biden strategist last week, it was in the press, said the one person we don't want to have to come out of the Republican um, primary to to have to run against in the general is Nikki Haley. And it's yep. because they know that we will beat them and they know that they can't call us racist. They know they can't say anything that that they say to traditional Republicans. And that's why we're going to go and we're going to push it hard. And at the end of the day, I think we're going to win this primary. Listen, I, I, I love the fighting spirit. And you neglected to mention they're also scared of your playlist. You, re- you re- release pretty good playlists, do you not? Right. Yes. They know my music and they know my playlist and they know that I like Pat Benatar's hit me with your best shot. And they know that we'll fight. (laughs) Well, be careful with that because they're going to think that's an endorsement of more vaccine mandates. So tiptoe around that one. Uh, Nikki Haley, we love talking to you. Keep playing good ball out there. okay? Jimmy, it's always great. Have your listeners go to Nikki, Nikki Haley dot com. We have a country to save. Let's do it. It's a date. See you soon. Thanks again. There she goes. The great Nikki Haley. Then we go back after this. You're listening to the most addictive show on the radio. This is crack, rock cocaine. It isn't glamorous or cool or kid stuff. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. She had an answer on abortion. A lot of Republicans said... That's a practical answer that is better than what the party's been saying a lot of uh, times on that. And so I'm hearing that there's a lot of Republican donors who are offering to hold events for her. And when you're in a candidate in a crowded field this far out, there's no call you'd rather get than someone from a donor, someone with a lot of money and or a lot of friends. And funnily enough, a lot of people with a lot of money have a lot of friends who (laughs) want to do an event from you. From Democrats, I'm hearing that they say if somehow Nikki Haley, if she could get past Trump, if she somehow became the Republican nominee and there's no numerical way to see how that happens now. But if that happens, that she could be a very strong uh, opponent for Biden. So there are Democrats who say, I would not want President Biden to have to face Ambassador Haley in a general. I mean, listen, that's MSNBC talking. OK, and they're not wrong. Shout out to Nikki Haley. 
Uh, this is the thing you need to realize about the general election. The Democrats have one angle, okay? Republicans are a bunch of racists. It's hard to do that to an Indian American woman, okay? Republicans are a bunch of sexists. It's hard to do that to an Indian American woman who has led the state of South Carolina and served as a U.N. ambassador. The truth is there are a bunch of people on the Republican, you know, debate stage that the Democrats want nothing to do with running against. They don't want to run against Haley. They don't want to run against Scott. They'd like to run against DeSantis because they can call him racist and claim that he banned books. It's not true, okay? He didn't actually ban, okay, like historical instruction. He banned sex ed for kindergartners. Why? Because anybody who wants to talk to a kindergartner about sex shouldn't be around kindergartners. Oh, girl, it is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We just got off the phone with Nikki Haley. Naturally, when you interview a presidential candidate, you make the immediate transition to comedy sexiest man. I don't think of any other show in the country that would do it any differently than we just did. Diamond Dave Landau back on the phone. Hey, girl. Hey, baby. How you doing? Good. So I know you're heading out to the Carson Nugget, but you can now claim Nikki Haley just opened for you. That's right, and that's what I will tell everybody uh, <laughs> later this month. <laughs> oh, believe me. Do you know? Do you know what I'm? Do you know what I'm calling my stand-up special to fill the tickets? I'm calling it Taylor Swift Live. <laughs> well, yeah, that's all. That's my whole tour. <laughs> I, I'm actually billing myself as the man who met a man who met Taylor Swift. <laughs> I mean, listen, whatever it takes, you got you got to get resourceful out there on the road. But really quickly, what are what are the Carson Nugget dates? Just so I know. Oh, uh, the Carson Nugget will be uh, the end of September. It'll be the 30th. Oh, uh, if you're all right. Good. So people listening on KSUE in Susanville, California or KKFT in Reno, Nevada, you got to get down to the Nugget. See Diamond Dave play some slots with uh, Dean DeLulo. You might even get a Jerry Evans sighting. These are local references, Dave. You don't need to know them. Don't worry. You'll be fine. Uh, but it's going to be a banger, and you're going to love it out there. I'm excited about that one. The one thing about northern Nevada, it's really bizarre. Um, you couldn't offend them if you did your traditional closure. You know the one where you beat the baby seal with the club? Yes, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a crowd pleaser. <laughs> you know what it is? People have reservations, but once they meet the seal, you know what I'm saying, they come around. Do they not? He's, no, he's, he's not well-liked. I find a very unlikable baby seal, and then I do my Gallagher routine. <laughs> the, the sledgematic, you know, the seal gets it, everybody goes home happy. No, I consider it a win. I, I, I consider it a win. And to be clear, if, if you were Gallaghering a seal, okay, I don't consider right. that worse taste than what we're getting out of the president. Watch this transition. I just wanted to ask you this all day today, and this is not a comedic question because I think the insanity of what we're about to analyze, it goes beyond comedy. But so we have this thing going on with Biden. He did it in Maui, and he did it again yesterday with the hurricane down in Florida. People who've lost their towns. In Maui, burnt down a whole town, 800 people missing. A lot of them are children. In Florida, obviously, some flooding and people lose ho homes and, you know, somebody's died. It's a mess, okay? And in both instances, right. he's showing up to an actual disaster and trying to express empathy by telling a made-up story. Story about his kitchen catching on fire once for five minutes. 
Can you think of anything Correct. more insane than a guy showing up to a disaster and telling them a made-up story? It's so bizarre to me. I would say uh, nodding off immediately after while talking about <laughs> the people they lost. All right, you got me. I have a laser focused on a... <laughs> it's gone. Or, or saying that he almost lost his cat his wife and then smiling real big when he said his 60s Corvette. I know, because he, he thought it was a punchline. I'm like, dude, right. the, the whole town yeah. burnt down. And, you, and what are you really telling them? I still have my Corvette. <laughs> That's what you're telling yeah. them. You didn't lose it. Like you're not, telling them you're fine. Yeah, not only did you not lose your Corvette, you didn't lose all those paper documents you had around it because it was a kitchen fire that didn't make it anywhere near the garage. <laughs> it's so funny. We're talking to Dave Landau. Biden is the guy. If you remember in a post-September 11th world, there were people who tried to glom on to the horror and the grief by telling stories about how they would have been involved if they did 62 things differently that day. You know, well, I, yeah. well, I, I work in Pennsylvania, but I was going to go to New York for a meeting and we were technically going to take the train in. But if I would have flown and connected in Boston, I could have wound up on that plane. I'm like, dude, why are you doing this to me? But that's the president. Yeah, like, yeah, like I was in Syracuse and you're like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like, it could have been me. They're like, we, they're, they're like, we were planning a trip actually to the Empire State Building that week, but Molly got sick. And you're like, I don't understand. How that how that counts? And they're like, no, we almost died. You're like, do you know what almost died means? <laughs> it, it, the number of people that will act like they were part of a tragedy right after it happens yep. is stunning to me. It's like almost died means you were seriously hurt, yeah, but didn't die. It doesn't yeah. mean that you were uh, in another state and you saw the news. It's so it's so bananas because we've always known that to be true. But this is the first time we started electing one of those people president. And it really is. It's a it is a bizarre time to be alive. Dave Landau. A um, couple other things I want to throw at you because we got we were just talking to Nikki Haley. I should talk about this for a second. So her being a Middle Eastern woman who's pretty good at the yeah. debate. She got into it with Vivek pretty well. She calls a lot of BS on Kamala and stuff like that. Do you think on some level the Democrats are underestimating her, if only because if she runs, you know, two of their attack lanes go away. You can't call her racist. You can't call her a misogynist. And that's like 75% of the playbook. That's true. That's a very good point. There's no – I don't – I think they're intimidated by her. I think they're just so confident in who the candidates are going to be that they're not worried about it. Yeah. But I think we have a year, and they shouldn't be that confident. Yeah, that's because a good... we really, yeah, we really don't know who it's going to end up being. And I think that there is a chance for that because, you know, we almost had a female president who was, you know, Satan. Uh, <laughs> uh... So they might actually actually be looking for somebody. Who oh. uh, it has, who's capable. And can, so I would find it very interesting to see where else she can go, because surviving that first that first RNC debate mm -hmm. is really uh, it's interesting because that's really where, where everybody was trying to kind of play a character. Mm -hmm. And uh, she came off a little more, uh, I think, sincere than everybody else. Yeah, she was convincing. I mean, she's good. At, like, she's good on the radio. She'll talk jokes and, you know, she'll talk pop culture. She's actually a good hang. You know, I, I ask you this. Who do you think, if they were about to become the first female president, Hillary would want to kill more? 
would it be Kamala or would it be Nikki? And the reason I say it might actually be Kamala is because I think people respect Nikki Haley's intellect. I don't think anyone respects Kamala. Don't you almost think that even though she's a Democrat, it would burn Hillary's balls more to see Kamala become the first female president? Oh, absolutely. But I also think that they'd be aware that Kamala is already going to I don't know. She'd be aware that, Kam- that Kamala will already destroy the world so well on her own <laughs> that she won't have to. She won't have to lift a finger. It's like, oh, I don't even. Yeah, there's just there's nothing she would have to do. It would just be a. It, it would just be a house of cards and a and a strong wind. It doesn't matter. There's oh, nothing that's... she would have to do to watch the world collapse. It is so funny because every time you get hit with like a criticism, you know, it's always like, well, you know. What's so different about her is because she's a woman, is because she's a person of color. And I'm like, no, it's just because she sucks. And, like, I wish we could get to this place in our society where people realize the only reason 99% of the people who hate you will hate you is because of your actual personality. Like, we're so far past race or sexual orientation or anything in between. I'm not saying everybody's using perfect language at all hours of the day, but there's a difference between saying dumb things and physically hating people. And I think hate is born out of behavior more than background, don't you? Oh, I absolutely do. I think, well, that's, I mean, her whole thing is kind of running on that, isn't it? I mean, Mm -hmm. well, not that she's running, but, I mean, she's just going to default into that. I mean, and yep. she can default in the presidency pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, all you need is wet grass. <laughs> it's so sick, dude. <laughs> dude, it's Some sick. Sandbags. <laughs> so let's all right. Let's jump in. Let's talk about this, okay? I was I was trying to have a tactful discussion. We just had a presidential candidate on the line. We're still holding on to some of her audience. I know they like the show, but let's talk about this. These are optics, okay? We talked about this Saturday night on Fox News Saturday night, a show I tried to get you on. The audience needs to know this because I can't. I'm hold on a second because I'm catching. For the fact that you haven't been on Fox News Saturday night because you're always on the show. And to my credit, can you acknowledge on the air that I invited you, but you had a scheduling conflict? Yes, this is 100 percent true. And I badly wanted to be there. You no, no, what are you the bull on. Why wouldn't I want to be on that? <laughs> well, you might not want to be on it because if it goes the wrong way, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to be lucky number 14. <laughs> I, believe me, I, I told them my name was Greg Gutfeld when I had Sammy the Bull on. And I'm like, listen, I'm like, Sam, if you have any problem with anything that goes on in this interview, email me at Greg Gutfeld. But anyway, I wa- we talked about this Saturday night, and I wanted you on the panel to talk about this. Just straight optics. The fact that Biden has been on the beach for 24 of the last 30 days, okay, is not my concern. It's the fact that we're showing it to the world, okay? Do you remember when we gave Putin a hard time because he was shirtless on a horse? Do you remember that? That was like a big thing. Oh yes, absolutely. Okay, which, but which but, but to which is it was absurd. But to his credit, you know, it, it might have looked like the cover of a romance novel. But the point is, he was in shape, and we gave him crap anyway because it was a world leader with a shirt off. How did we go from that's our official position on world leader shirtless to here's thirty days of Joe Biden and his C cup breasts resting in a lounge chair? Like, in what world is that acceptable? It's not. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Like, how are we the only ones pointing this out? No one's pointing this out. It doesn't come up on any of the political shows. Like, they'll talk about him vacationing. They'll talk about how Maui's on fire and he wasn't there. All valid, okay? But we should specifically be talking about the optics of our president has C-cup breasts. I'm sure it's happened in the past, but we were never showcasing it to the whole entire planet of Earth. I just think it's such bad optics. 
No, every single picture of Biden is equivalent of like Al Capone with syphilis fishing in his pool. <laughs> it's just like it, the very it, last few days of complete brain rot. Yeah. And like FBI surveillance where you're just like, is he he's not faking it anymore. Like there's no <laughs> way they're like, this man is just gone and we're catching him at his worst. Like that's every that's everything we're seeing. It's a man who it, it looks like a man who's been retired for way too long and they're starting to plan, you know, they're like, Should we pick out the plot for grandpa? <laughs> so bad <laughs> and, it, and you know what and it makes and it makes people really nervous about the economy when they see the president walking the beach with a metal detector looking for change well that's what it is like you just pulled up in a car filled with cans and some nickels yeah <laughs> yeah a, but no it's, but an no. 80, it's an 88 dodge omni <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's well, who he is. He's got a fishing hat and a Hawaiian shirt with surfboards on it. That's him. <laughs> no, this should not be leading the country. But the only thing I take heart in, and this is a Cat Timf point, a fellow uh, Michigander. I'll, I'll give her credit because yeah. she made this point the other night. Is that they keep trying to scare you about COVID, but a guy, but Joe Biden got COVID and beat COVID. And if a guy in Joe Biden's condition is beating COVID, I am never putting on anything again, not a mask, not a shot. I mean, I mean, honestly, in what world can you justify making people mask up if Joe Biden beat COVID? No, (laughs) that is a perfect point. He's the poster child for like, hey, we were we overreacted. Yeah, Uh, that's it. It's over. How do you get how do you get more funding? I'm like, dude, this guy, this guy beat it. As you said earlier, a wet blade of grass. Kamala Harris is a wet blade of grass away from the presidency right now. <laughs> like it's, it's way more concerning and dangerous that she would ever step into office. Than yeah. it is. And really, with the mask thing, I, I noticed it, too, immediately. I went, right when I started to travel after the slightest news of a new variant came out. The, yeah. Right when I started to travel, I got on a plane, and there was double the masks of the last flight. Oh, it's so And true. I'm just sitting there going, like, how do you buy this so easily? Why would you? Why? I just don't understand how you're like, hey, you know what? This didn't work last time. Let's do it again. <laughs> like, wh- when did you think this was okay? I, I, I'm honestly very bothered by the fact that, that there's this, this sheet mentality to it. Yeah, it's scary. And I saw it. It was sad because last Thursday night uh, I saw it on a flight to Vegas. And I'm like, dude, if you're that concerned about your health, you shouldn't be hanging out in Vegas. You know, where are you going to go? Like, can you imagine <laughs> using the pool in Vegas, but you're wearing a mask? <laughs> <laughs> that swimming in that pool has single handedly cast 50 episodes of the Maury Povich show. Right. You know, <laughs> see, half of these yeah, girls aren't hosed. They just swam in a Vegas pool and have no idea whose baby it is. They just don't know. Yeah, go, yeah, go touch a slot machine at the plaza, but wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might, you might want to, you might want to put an N95 over your hands while you're at it. My <laughs> God. Yeah, uh, oh, I'm sure your hotel rooms, but uh, only good saintly things have happened, no matter where you go. <laughs> you know, you know that. You know, I'm really worried about COVID, so I'm going to go to that town where you can order hookers like it's a Pizza Hut, and they'll be in your room in 30 minutes or less. <laughs> yes, 
where they drive around in billboard trucks with prostitutes. That's no problem. <laughs> Literally. Uh, it, it seems like the, the safest city you could possibly go to. You know where their slogan is, what happens here stays here. <laughs> no, this is a. This is where you look out for yourself, honey. We go out there. Uh, every other car on the road is a gold limousine that takes you express to the local strip club. No, this is where you go when you care about your health. It's so funny. Right, yeah. We're, where it's not a an, uh, where it's not a bar that sells liquor, it's a bar that sells IV treatments, so you can <laughs> stay alive after what you've done to yourself. <laughs> mask up, America! Oh, what a time to be alive, uh, folks! Yeah. Nobody's wearing a mask at the Carson Nugget. It is September the thirtieth. Dave Landau in the house. You're going to love it. You have no idea how much you're going to love it out there. They're the greatest comedy audiences in the world. I'm really excited for it. And he says it's the house that Jimmy built, so I know that they're good crowds. So you know it leaks. <laughs> like There's uh, some issues with the windows. <laughs> it's so funny. No, we had a story like that really quick. My dad once hired a contractor to build a dormer onto my house, but it was a retired cop, really sweet guy, but he paid him in Cuddy Sark uh, whiskey or scotch or whatever the hell it was. <laughs> And I'm right. not kidding. The The first spring, we had 17 buckets in our living room because it was leaking from every angle of the house. And I remember my parents being incredulous. And I was in ninth grade. I'm like, you paid him in scotch. Where did you think this was going to go? <laughs> Unbelievable. It's like, fantastic. Yeah, it's like when you, when, you know when the guy complains at the dollar pizza place? I'm like, dude, you renounced your rights as a customer the minute you agreed to a dollar for food. Right. That's it. You're done. You have no rights. Uh, Diamond Dave, uh, we'll talk soon, but great stuff, man. You're the best. Thank you. Appreciate you, Jimmy. For sure. There he goes. See him at the Carson Nugget, September 30th. Going to be a banger. Back after this. Tackling issues of the day in an easy way. He's all man. He's a big, strong-looking guy. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is, Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fela. Shout out to Diamond Dave Landau. If you're listening on KKFT out in Reno, KSUE out in Susanville, check him out at the Carson Nugget. And you didn't hear this from me, but Dean and I are working on a return date for myself at the Nugget as well. We're not there yet. I got a lot of scheduling. Uh, of course, my stand-up comedy special, my one-hour special, this is a big deal. Uh, it tapes Friday night, October the 13th. And that is, of course, in Huntington, Long Island at the Paramount. Very swanky theater. Far classier than my act will ever be. And I'll be warm enough for that September the 16th, next weekend. Uh, I will be in Sugarloaf, New York. Uh, if you're anywhere near Sugarloaf, you're listening on Catskills Radio, you better drag your ass out to the theater and let's slang some jokes, get some drinks, and make a night out of it. Those tickets are still available, the Sugarloaf Performing Arts Center. And then, of course, we're heading out west. October the 27th, we will be in Helena, Montana at the Helena Civic Center. And Saturday night, October the 28th, we are at the Colonial Theater. And that, of course, is in Idaho Falls. And then I get the band back together with Kennedy for one night, November 11th, in Utica. Get your tickets now. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Here we go. Here we go. Back in action for a big hour of Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon. We're going to have a grown-up talk about our southern border, where we have passed the 6 million mark of illegal border crossers this year. And we're being told by the White House 
The border is secure. This is total crap. Is it ever? Paul Morrow is coming by. He's a retired NYPD inspector. He will speak to the spiking crime rates across the country uh, that the Democrats have failed to get under control. He will offer solutions because that's what we do on the show. And uh, he will also cede the first hour or excuse me, the first half hour of this radio segment to your phone calls, text, tweets and carrier pigeons. 888-788-9910. If you want to be a part of the show, we have one rule. We say it every day. You could be a Republican. You could be a Democrat. Just don't be a. If you were watching Fox News last night, you probably saw my face on the Chiron on the Sean Hannity show for about 45 minutes. I was scheduled to be on the show. And then they wound up bumping me at the last second. That's just how white folks will do you. No, they were getting a storm update from Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. And uh, as shocking as that might be to you, the governor of Florida still uh, rates. I don't know that he rates higher than I do, but uh, they consider what he says more important than what I say. That's stupid. Use your common sense. We're just being silly. But tonight I am scheduled to be on Waters World with Jesse Waters. Uh, assuming the news cycle per, you know, permits such things. Sometimes there's breaking news. You wind up not on the show. You wind up in your backyard smoking a cigar like I did last night. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. Well, it was a great way to go through Wednesday night, and it's probably how I'm going to go through Thursday night. Uh, but 888-788-9910 if you want to give me other plans. Michael batting leadoff and Tyler. Michael. Hello, Jimmy. How are you, man? My man. I'm a little jealous you're down in East Texas. That's good living. It is. It's warm, though. It's warm. Well, that's, you know, that's the climate change. You know, it was never hot in Texas up until this year. Absolutely. Hey, look, (laughs) uh, yesterday uh, we had to reboot the turtle again. So sad. Uh, Robert, you got Robot Feinstein out in California. You got Franken Fetterman and every once in a while Crooked Beach Bum Biden. So, you know, I like what Nikki had to say about uh, uh, getting these politicians to limit themselves. But I, I really don't think these politicians will ever pass laws to control themselves. So the founders put Article 5 in the Constitution about a convention of states. We've talked about this before, right? Yep. Well, listen, I mean, I think you you make a good point about them not policing themselves. It's like the thing with stock trades. Everybody always goes, oh, they shouldn't be trading stocks in Congress, but there is no way in hell they're ever going to give up that leverage. Right, right. You know, term limits, like you just said, uh, uh, insider trading, influence peddling, uh, competency tests, all these things could be worked out in a convention of states, and the lawmakers would have to abide by whatever the states come up with. So I encourage people to go out to conventionofstates.com to see if their state is on board. If not, start talking it up. We need to make this happen. We could fix so many of these things with a convention of states. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but the idea that you're on this show that you frequently call into suggesting something as profound as a convention of states. Michael, you sound like you'd be organizing a convention of strippers every time you call into this show. So is, well, is, is this a euphemism? I sign up. I've got my hand raised right now, Jimmy. Oh, look, real quick. Last uh-huh. weekend, last weekend, mm-hmm. I watched your mo- 
oh, man. my man. It was you, fantastic. I laughed. I cried. I ordered more <laughs> beer. It was fantastic, buddy. <laughs> well, well, let me let me ask you this, pal. Now that you got some some entertainment out of the deal, do you think uh, we landed on the moon, or are you one of those people who's not crazy? Well, man, oh, put me on the spot. Gee, uh, I think we did, but you <laughs> offered so many things to make me start questioning myself. I thought I knew the answer, but now I'm not so sure. <laughs> <laughs> that was the that was the point. The point was to kind of muddy the waters. I know we're we're all supposed to say we went and we landed, but I have a lot of questions, man. I have a lot, like for real. And you know what really ruins it for you? It's like when you see how incompetent the federal government is today. It's like, how could they possibly be capable of that 50 years ago? I don't doubt we went. Don't everybody get all worked up on me. But it's, it's hard to look at this government. Would you look at this government and think we could go back? Oh, uh, this government? Shoot, yeah. I'm not sure we can even drive across the country, Jiminy, if this government's in charge. I don't know that Joe Biden could order a moons over my hammy at Denny's. I, honestly, I don't know. So this is... This is the type of hard-hitting journalism you get on Fox Across America. This is why we like your calls. Everybody should go out and watch that special. It was such a great, such a great show. You did a great job, and I can't wait for the upcoming one. Now, when's that coming out? That's coming out Not, soon, right? You got, you got time. It's coming out in January. Uh, I shoot it in oh. October. But it comes out in January. And then after that, there's going to be a documentary we're making about my book, like Roseanne Barr's in it. There's a lot of fun people in it. So you'll have some veil of vision to watch, Michael. You'll have just get your convention of strippers out of the way and we'll talk. <laughs> it's all Fela all the time on Fox. What are you talking about, man? Believe it, girlfriend. It, it better be. It's for the good of the people. I'll see you soon. That's You're the best. It. Thanks, buddy. My man, there he goes, the great Michael on the road in Tyler, Texas. That sounds great. Go get some ribs anywhere in Tyler. Everybody in Tyler can cook ribs. Everybody in East Texas can cook ribs, and they're lugging a firearm at all times. It's the best thing about East Texas. You never feel fatter or safer. Oh, what a great place to be. Bonnie is down in Charleston. Bonnie. Well, that was a lot of fun. I love you, Jimmy. <laughs> Thank me... oh, thanks, girlfriend. So let me just ask this question. Could somebody mm -hmm. please tell me where is Mitch McConnell's family? I believe wow, he's got point. three middle-aged children and mm -hmm. probably a very politically uh, aspiring wife. But why mm -hmm. isn't somebody keeping that guy home eating some pudding and chicken soup? Yep. No, you're making a good point. I mean, the issue is they have a Democratic governor in Kentucky, and they don't want him to pick McConnell's replacement. So it's like they're just trying to keep him, you know, in office in whatever capacity they can, very similar to Dianne Feinstein. Uh, but it's a shame because, you know, you can't have people leading the country in that condition, and it's unfair to them. I mean, you could, you, you could take it from either angle. I mean, it's certainly not fair to us, but even the poor Mitch McConnell. I mean, and I'm not a fan of Mitch McConnell on any level, but um, we shouldn't be sitting there watching him lose his wife. Wi-Fi connection in public. But, but where's his family? I know. I, mean, I agree. Aren't they, aren't they caring for this man? I'll, I'm seven, I'll be 77. My husband's 83. He was just mm -hmm. picking up from the storm outside. So well. I think he could run the country better than the guy that we've got in there <laughs> well, now. Well, that's not saying but much, Bonnie. Come on now. Husband, <laughs> yeah, I know. I would lead, I'd lead him by the hand and take him home. 
Uh huh. I know, and 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 we need more of you. That's the problem. We need we need less Jill Bidens, and uh, we need more Bonnies. That's the problem. So uh, we're gonna clone you, Bonnie. I'll have our medical team down there by the morning. Get it together, okay? Okay. Thanks, honey. Thanks, girlfriend. Bye. Have a great day. The great Bonnie in Charleston. She makes a really good point. It's like if you're their family. I understand people want power. I understand that. Okay, but the guy has been in Washington since Washington. Okay, they don't need to be in politics a second longer than they've been. You know, when you look at a situation like Mitch McConnell, you look at a situation like Biden, you look at a situation like Dianne Feinstein. I mean, Fetterman never should have been in office, ever. John Fetterman, and again, there but for the grace of God go I. You don't wish him any ill will. But you understand, John Fetterman was doing campaign events where he didn't speak. That can't be good. Think about that. You're going to a Fetterman rally minus the Fetterman. Could you imagine the outrage if people bought Taylor Swift tickets right now and she didn't come on stage and sing? Okay, that was going on. Okay, this is your leadership right now. Dianne Feinstein shows up to vote and gives a rambling speech, and then someone says, no, no, you just have to say yay or nay. Oh, okay, you know, great. You know, you've obviously seen all the Biden footage, and it's sad. Okay, Corrine Jean-Pierre responded yesterday. There's a new book out called The Last Politician, chronicles the exploits of uh, Joe Biden and his 5,400 emails sent with an alias. If Biden had a pseudonym for real, the other we were, we were going to do this on Hannity last night. It was so silly. He was like, think of what are some pseudonyms? We were talking offline before I was about to go on the air. He's like, what are some pseudonyms uh, for Joe Biden? That's interesting. I mean, when you think of like... When you think of his history, you know, like George Orwell, you might consider Biden George Snorwell because he naps so much, you know, like stupid thing, stupid things like that. I guess Hunter would be Charles. Show us your Dickens, you know, based on the things we've seen on that laptop. I don't know what's going on today. What the hell did you just say? I blame Michael. Michael gets us in a rowdy mood. But here's Kareem Jean-Pierre pushing back against reports that Biden skips morning events because he's tired. Clip 13. The Guardian has uh, excerpts today saying the president um, has told aides in private that he felt tired, and that explains why there are so few events before 10 a.m. So, so two questions. Is this why we're seeing um, brunch lids uh, in recent weeks? Today we had a breakfast lid. And has the president admitted to you? Wait, see that tired? last part? So is that why we had a, a breakfast lid this morning? I mean, the, the, the book a is... what? It was a, bre- a breakfast lid came to the, the oh. press for the first okay. time. I think we've had some brunch lids in recent weeks as well. So my question is: is So you think we've had those lit because the because of this excerpt? Not the excerpt. The book is suggesting the president tells aides he's tired. But that's in the excerpt, right? Yeah, and that that's why there've been so few public events before 10 a.m. I mean, that's a ridiculous assumption to make. (laughs) Oh, that's KJP saying, "Ah, why would anyone assume the guy's tired?" You know. Other than the fact that he spent 24 out of the last 30 days taking a beach vacation. That man belongs in a nursing home, not in the White House. Think about that. That's that's this is how the Democrats get around answering questions and engaging you on substance. OK, they call you ridiculous for asking. Do you remember when we found cocaine in the White House? And everybody was like, hey, was it Hunter's? Hunter's a dirtbag. What did KJP say? I think it's preposterous you'd ever ask that question. I mean, you know, aside from the fact that there's a thousand pictures of him smoking crack on the Internet, what would make you think this guy was actually in possession of the drugs that he's always in possession of every time we see a picture of him on the Internet? Do you get it? 
Like they get around engaging you on the issues by shaming you for a question you rightfully asked. Joe Biden has spent nearly 50 percent of his presidency on vacation. Okay, it's fair to ask if this guy has the energy to do the gig if every time we look at him, he's shirtless on a beach somewhere. Okay, again, I don't know a single human being with a better work-life balance than the President of the United States. Like, this is supposed to be a job that, like, ages you, that stresses you out. You know, they always show you the pictures of Obama when he first gets into office and then he's got gray hairs by the end of the term, that whole thing. Okay? I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. But the point is it aged him because there's a stress that comes to doing this job. But Biden, to be honest with you, you know, doesn't look any different than he did before he got the gig because he's barely done it. And let's be clear, during the run-up to Biden winning the presidency, okay, in 2020. Wrong. Okay, but during the run-up to him actually becoming the president, whatever you want to say, okay, let's not act like this guy's nickname was Razor. Because of how sharp he was. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the go, you know the you know the thing. <laughs> it's not like I mean, could you go downhill from this? COVID has taken this year, just since the outbreak, has taken more than one hundred years. Look, here's the lives it's just it's I mean you think about it. I mean, seriously. If you like Biden so much, name three of his complete sentences. So when you hear somebody like Bonnie asking about Mitch McConnell's family, okay, and rightfully so, they, she, Mitch McConnell's in no shape to be leading right now, okay? Neither is Biden, neither is Fetterman, neither is Dianne Feinstein. But the fact that we wind up in a position where these people are in elected office and nobody's speaking up about it, that tells you just how far gone we are politically in this country. People now root for their party harder than they root for their country. We now sit in this place where it is so hyper-partisan that it's more important to beat the other side than it is to do what's right for your country. That's how you wind up with a Joe Biden in office. That's how you wind up with a John Fetterman in the Senate. That's how you wind up with a Dianne Feinstein in the Senate. And yes, that's how you wind up with a Mitch McConnell in the Senate. Mitch McConnell shouldn't be in the Senate at this point. Get him out of here. Get him out. But then again, you could say that about everybody, including the guy at the tippy top of the government. You know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with, uh, with uh, I don't know. Uh, it's the number one children's show in the country. He's a lot better at radio than he is being a dad. <gasps> It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Paul Morrow around the corner. His opening act, Daniel, in Gulf Shores, Alabama. Daniel! Hey, Jimmy, girlfriend. What's going on today? Hey, baby girl. Uh, We need some weather analysis. You're down there. You see this stuff firsthand. Biden just said to FEMA it was climate change, and we're all in denial. Should I send him my money? Uh, If you send him yours, I'll send him mine along with a Bud Light. (laughs) I don't know if he can drink those. They're on to stronger stuff in the White House. They got cocaine now. They don't need your beer. Just a couple of years ago, we had Hurricane Sally moving at, at two miles an hour, and Gulf Shores, where I live, took a direct hit. Wow. Okay, we knew that when we moved down here. It's a way of life. We live with it. Just like in Oklahoma, you know tornadoes are going to happen. Mm-hmm. We have hurricane insurance. We're yep. prepared. It's yep. not climate change. It's been happening for years. 
we live on the Gulf Coast. Hey, what about when? When's the Democrats going to blame uh, racism on the hurricane? Oh, it's coming. Mother Nature. They went through her old it tweets. Is. She's canceled. <laughs> it's not yeah. What a, what a yeah. dumb time yeah. to be alive, man. But this is what they this is what they do. You see, when there's a storm, obviously there's a lot of emotion. And that's how they get people, gullible people, to become a part of the movement. But you can't control the oh, weather. Sure. I mean, it's like such basic stuff. It is. And, and it, I'm not going to downplay it. it. It's scary. Sally was scary. It was only two miles an hour. And we were dealing with it for maybe, I don't know, 12 hours straight because it wasn't moving. Mm-hmm. You know, we had we had 26 inches of rain in, in one day mm-hmm. and 115 miles an hour winds for 12 hours straight. It, it was scary. Yeah. We were I mean, without power for, for five days. I mean, what, I, I don't want to downplay it, but mm-hmm. what, what we is uh, that when we move? Yeah, here. coming in. What is scarier to you, Hurricane Sally or the prospect of a President Kamala Harris? <laughs> I'll go through another hurricane any day. <laughs> Bring it on. That's Bring fun. it on, baby. That's perfect weather analysis. Good stuff. We'll do hey. it again, Daniel. Oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? All right, buddy. All right, my man. Have a big day. There he goes, the great Daniel in Gulf Shores, Alabama. I said, I don't know, Daniel. What if we get rid of these hurricanes and we give you a President Kamala instead? No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Nobody, nobody is running that fool's errand. It's my favorite thing about the Nikki Haley criticism. They're like, oh, she's criticizing Kamala because she's racist. We're like, no. She's criticizing Kamala because she sucks. He knows what he's talking about. Paul Morrow is going to stop by to talk crime and non-punishment. <laughs> That's coming up next right here on the Big Bad One and Only Fox Across America. Boom. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon doing the dang thing on a Thursday. Of course, a week ago, today, I was on Gutfeld uh, with this next guest. And if you watch that episode, we're both sorry. Uh, and joining us now to make good on that promise, retired NYPD inspector Paul Morrow in the house. Hey, man. What's going on? Listen, that was a great show on Gutfeld. My only question is, are you going to let me talk today? or? <laughs> good for you. Did I ball? Because I, I make fast points. No, I don't actually talk. All right, good. Never do. Absolutely st- never do. They must pay you by the word, huh? Anyway. You st- that's enough out of you, Moro. Uh, listen, <laughs> thanks for being back on the show. Uh, sure. we, do, we do need your expertise right now. I feel like when you look around the country, man, do you know how every Batman movie begins with them making the case for Batman? Like they show you yeah. like the lawless city and the burnt yeah. out stores. Yeah, they, they put up the bat single and all that. Yeah, yeah. Like, but when you look at the imagery on the news, whether it's you know like that Home Depot getting looted, you know, there's so many moments right now. The Nordstroms, everything that's happened at the jewelry stores out west. Are we like kind of living in the preamble to Batman showing up? It does feel that way, and you know what? The only analog that we have is Elon Musk. I keep yeah. waiting to put up the Musk signal because he's the only guy out there who has a venue to push out the counter narrative. Obviously, yeah. there's Fox, there's mm-hmm. a couple of uh, you know smaller outlets, but realistically, today, as you and I both know, if for pretty much everybody under even forty, um, social media is how they get their information, how they get their news, and we lose Elon, we're in real trouble because all of the other ones come out of. 
tech head, Silicon Valley, progressive, socialist. I mean, they really are. Yep. And, you know, you can just see it even in some of this climate stuff that we've had in the news recently. They're all funded by these guys. And, you know, so when you say bat signal, I immediately jump to Elon and I just need him not to lose his mind. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't understand X. I don't get that. So yeah, that's, I'm a little worried about him. Yeah, we're starting to see some tells. It's a bad sign, you know. <laughs> is, but uh, We don't need a Tony Stark who's gone off the rails here. Come on now. <laughs> we need to, at the very least, we might need to talk to his weed guy and change up the strand, you know. I, I, I think so, yes. We've got to get his dealer on the phone. We, we, we may have some mutual friends on the Gutfeld Show that can arrange that. So let's talk offline. Um, you break, talk about the climate really quickly. So the climate, uh, it's a tribal cop who plowed through that barricade of climate protesters. But I read today that he could be facing some type of disciplinary measure. Do we know anything about that? I mean, you know, the uh, head of the tribal police, their spokesperson actually, just said, yeah, it's being reviewed, which is oh, tribal gosh. police would get lost. You know? Oh, okay, good, good, good. I know these. I, I, look, do I know this particular Indian nation intimately? No, but I can tell you, after 9-11, uh, a bunch of these guys came to New York to help us out because, you know, things were obviously very hectic. We were very shorthanded, you know, this unprecedented crime scene. And let me just say that these tribal cops are not that interested in putting up with the kind of nonsense you saw in the middle of the desert there at Burning Man. Um, <laughs> and I have a feeling that their overhead is not exactly going to open up some real exhaustive IAB investigation into the fact that he drove his truck through a barrier that was blocking the road. And that and nobody got hurt. Nope. And it was a very sort of uh, boutique protest. Two <laughs> arrestees from New York, one from yep. L.A. To watch the whole video, the woman who does the most squawking mm -hmm. gets knocked off of her beach chair. <laughs> so <laughs> she's in the middle of the desert. They're talking about the fact that they want to be civil, dis doing civil disobedience. Essentially, they want to be arrested. And then when she gets, gets knocked off her beach chair, she starts screaming, yelling, we're nonviolent. Oh, my God, she goes to pieces. The problem is these people have never seen real force in real life. They don't. Yeah. This is not Netflix. You're asking <laughs> for the police to take action. They do. And then you can't go to pieces. Well, as I said on Gutfeld Monday night, I do think it was insensitive of the cop. And he should have run them over an electric pickup truck. <laughs> Very good. You know what? You're allowed to talk over me from now on. I, I, oh, then Paul Morrow giving me back the mic on my own show. We never thought we'd see this day. We did. We did it. Yeah, uh, to be I honest, know, I know. So yeah. silly. Um, the border thing, uh, as it pertains to New York, anyway, we could do the country as a whole, but let's localize this for a second. Uh, I every night when I leave Fox, I always drive home past the Roosevelt Hotel and the Roosevelt Hotel. I'm sure this will ring a bell for you. It's starting to look like the Hotel Carter in the 80s. Do you remember what the yeah. Hotel Carter looked like in the yeah, 80s? Yeah, there was a bunch of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So it's they like crack houses, yeah. Yeah, it's it's so bizarre uh, because, you know, to be honest with you, I don't I don't know that like the local business owners aren't OK with this. I think 122 of them have petitioned City Hall to do something. They're, of course, trying to pass the buck over to Biden. But this was a situation that was avoidable if we secured the border. We didn't. It's here. My question is now what are we just going to watch the decline? Like is New York just doing a San Francisco and it's just we're apathetic to it? So I think so. I mean, I've been saying that all along, that this is where we go. We don't end up in uh, New York in the 70s. I don't think it goes that far. But what we end up with is San Francisco, which is two classes. That is a street class that's lying all over the place. Everybody else is on some sort of pub, uh, public assistance. And then you have the very rich in their castles in the sky, and their feet never touch the asphalt. You know, they go yep. from the door past the doorman and into the limo. So, um, you know, I think that's where it seems to be going. But you know what, Jimmy? There is a... Um, 
a little bit of a hidden agenda here mm-hmm. that I'm sure doesn't shock you, and it's just emerging. I'm going to be writing about it hopefully over the weekend on the ops desk. Mm-hmm. There is a bill pending in the New York City Council, which is written with language that essentially says if you work, you get to vote. Mm-hmm. That's really the, the substance wow. of it. Wow. And you saw today in New York City, Eric Adams held a rally, which they, by the way, publicized through the NYPD webpage and Twitter feed, which is de facto illegal or at least unconstitutional, mm-hmm. but also just shameful. But it was a rally to give the work permits to all of these migrants. And so then you see now you see the ultimate strategy sort of emerging. First, they're going to give them the work permits. Now they're all working. And then if they can get this law through, which they've just reintroduced the first time it didn't work, Mm -hmm. they introduced it again. They want to get it through. And what you've got then and then you think that uh, the floodgates are open now. Wait until you see the number of voters that they're going to import here. And it's going to be a very different city. Yeah, we're talking to retired NYPD Inspector Paul Morrow. Uh, he writes about all of this stuff at greater length at opsdesk.org. Definitely check it out. Definitely subscribe. And what's funny is, like, we're watching them execute this play, uh, and we're not very far removed from this being kind of sacrilege to even say publicly, meaning we were called, you know, like racist, like this was some type of great replacement theory or something like that. But they're actually admitting to doing it now. It's really that's, fascinating. That's right. It really is. It's you know, as you and I have talked about, we you have these moments where you think, God, I must be paranoid. You know, all the things that you thought couldn't possibly be true. Mm-hmm. As time goes on, all the the worst conspiracy theories just really seem to be coming to fruition. And you know, when I worked the cop, I worked Hell's Kitchen for a while in the air in Midtown, the areas they're talking about. One of the main missions was to take back, as you mentioned, places like Hotel Carter. There were a whole series of those. Yeah. And they were drug dens, et cetera. And you had to go through all these legal hoops to, to get nuisance abatement, it was called. You had to get a certain number of, of incidents, and then you could try to get them abated, which essentially meant they closed them down, and then they became more productive locations. And that was the – it was all done legally, and that's the way that we managed to make New York City's midtown tourist-friendly again. You got yeah. rid of all these – they were all cat houses, and there was all mm-hmm. kinds of drugs and a lot of violence yeah. and et cetera. And now, all of a sudden, that's not only allowed, it's aspired to. That's crazy. And we're now going to have all of these, I mean, I don't have to speculate, some of the, some very nice hotels now mm-hmm. have been just turned on. Why would you not? Because if you're the owner of the hotel, the city pays whether or not the room is occupied. That's so nuts. even if you don't have migrants in the place, they're going to pay up. So it's not even like you got to wait for European tourists to show up and pay their bill. It's good. I'll turn the place over to the city. I'll get that check every day. Uh-huh. And they've incentivized this kind of thing, and that's why it never ends. And let's, and let's be honest. The, the migrants aren't going to trash it any worse than European tourists. <laughs> very, very, very true. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there'll, be, there'll be a few less drug comas. But, you know, the, the, the truth is that it really is, at the end of the day, it's just a money thing. And what we do have to remember is that, if you, as you called it, a replacement theory, if you're importing all of these folks, well, all of the homeless who are supposed to be in the shelters got to go someplace else. Yep. And so when people say, well, why are there so many homeless all of a sudden all over the place on the street? Well, you know, if they're take, the migrants are taking the beds, then you can't even say now, well, homeless, go to the shelters because there's no place, there's no room at the end. I agree. Uh, Paul Morrow. I mean, the only upside I can tell you about all of this is I enjoy having New York homeless around more than I enjoy L.A. homeless because L.A. homeless is so much better looking than us. It's demoralizing. 
Yeah, I know. Even one of those protests, you know, she's got to be the L.A. one. One yeah. of the protests is in the Nevada thing. She's got, like, perfect, that hair's perfectly firm. Yeah. She's sitting on the beach chair. She's looking at her nails. <laughs> dude, I'm not protest. kidding. I got guy comes up to me on Ventura Boulevard. I'm like, dude, why don't you give me a dollar? I'm like, look at the <laughs> jeans you're wearing. Oh, my God, it's That's demoralizing. Right. Give me a part in your next movie. Yeah, <laughs> Thank no, you. Nuts. Uh, good stuff. I will uh, text you offline for more of my JFK conspiracy info, okay? I ain't buy into it, as you know. We're going to solve this. <laughs> this is me, you, and Sammy the Bull. All right, I'll, I'll put a conference call together. Thanks, Congrats Paul. Congrats on that, by the way. Oh. Great TV. Good well, you, listen, man. the goal of that interview was to live through it. I didn't want to become lucky number 14 and ask him the wrong question, nah, but nah, thank you. We know, your, we know your background. Yes, <laughs> Good stuff. Thanks, man. Thank uh, the, right. My man, the great Paul Moore. I'll check out his writing, opsdesk.org. We're back after this. A show with substance and style. This is my oldest guy in the boy band look. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. He's a good-looking Italian. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, and I am going to bring on my son Lincoln for the second time this week. That's stupid. Use your common sense. Oh, you stop it, R. Kelly. Joining us now to prove R. Kelly wrong. Uh, a man who is of age to date R. Kelly. Lincoln Fallow, the 14-year-old radio wonderkind, back in the house. Hey, girl. What's up? So this is it. This is the final weekend of summer before you go into 10th grade. I wanted you to sign off with our radio listeners. Are you pumped up for 10th grade? Uh, sure. Because <laughs> <laughs> the summer is fun. You have no, like, responsibilities or anything. I know. It's like being president. Yeah. You don't do anything. But I've been off for probably like three months now, so I'm kind of fine. Who do you think went to the beach more, you or Joe Biden? Joe, I've been only like two or three times. So definitely Joe Biden. Biden. He's been yeah. in the, he had 24 days in the last 30 where he's been on the beach. Why? Because he's not president. It's like they, you know, like he's the figurehead, but other people are running stuff. You know, when you're a little kid, little kids are stupid, and we would give you like pretend jobs to get you uh -huh. out of our way. Like, Lincoln, could you go get the monsters out of the washing machine? And Lincoln would be like, there's monsters in the washing machine? And he would run down to the washing machine. That's what they're doing with the president. They're like, hey, Joe, there's, there's ghosts on the beach. Can you go get them? And he goes to the beach for 30 days. Don't you think that's what's going on? Yeah. What are the kids at Clark? Uh, are they, is it still too early in the election cycle for anybody to care about the Republican primary? Yeah, people think Trump's mugshot's funny, though. It is, right? Is it yeah. popping with the kids? Yeah. So I wanted to ask you this, okay? Trump getting arrested... It's kind of something that happens to rappers. You know what I mean? Yeah. So is he getting street cred out of this arrest? Well, in he, ways well on, he pardoned some rapper. I forget who it was, but he pardoned a rapper like his last day as president. It so was now, one of the Lils, I think. Yeah, now all the rappers like him. <laughs> that's, how you get, that's how you get the rap vote. You go to jail. You let people out of jail. Is that the secret weapon? Is that what you're telling I me? Yes. <laughs> Lincoln Fela on the line, giving us ninth grade, uh, soon to be 10th grade political level analysis. That's as good as anything you're going to get on something like CNN over there across town. CNN is the worst. How old do you think you were in that drop? 10. Think so? Yeah. Okay, give me this one. How old were you here? Stop lying to us. Nine. Six. <laughs> you're probably younger than that. Your voice through the years, it's so funny. You can actually follow, like, Lincoln's progression uh, as a person. Let me see. Oh, yeah, here's a recent. Can you imagine being that stupid? How old? Maybe 12, 13. And you were saying that about mommy? Probably. <laughs> so silly. Uh, ask, answer me this for all of our listeners who want to know. Because I always get so many questions about you at my live events. I figured it would be ha easier to have you on and just have you answer them. Um, 
the Clark Rams football team, how are they looking? Very good. You guys feel good right now? Yeah. Uh, how's practice been going? Good. Do you have the same number, or does Mommy need to make a new de- decal? Uh, we're getting jerseys Monday. Oh, so we don't know yet. Yeah. Okay, but you are playing defensive end. Yeah, So and left tackle. So, But let me ask you this. Do they limit numbers? You know in the NFL they changed it, and now you could be like a linebacker wearing number 10, you know? Yeah. Do they do they still adhere to those numbers in high school, or you're not well, sure? Well, I want to go for 48. I like that number. Is that what you want to wear? Yeah. Well, how did you how did you arrive at forty eight? You know who wore forty eight? My neighbor Petey, and Petey's a great guy. He was a little slow, but you'd be Petey. You want to be Petey, the number forty eight? Is it because of Jimmy Johnson and NASCAR? What what well, inspired forty eight? I was 48? playing mini golf the other day, and then that was my score, and I was like, "Yo, that's not a bad number. I might do that for my jersey." Let's go through this. I mean, off the top of my head, the first forty eight I think of is Moose Johnston, Moose John on the Dallas Cowboys, but hold on a second. Let's think about this. Football players who wore 48. Oh, not yet in the Hall of Fame. That doesn't help me. Hold on. Uh, best players to wear 48 in NFL history. Okay, let's go through it. I said Moose. Let's see if he's on the list. Hold on a second, really quick. Lincoln Fail is on the line. We're talking football. I don't know who any of these guys are. Well, they played before your time. Okay, Lionel Washington, who's a Cardinal. Uh, Steven Davis was a Redskin. Uh, Wes Hopkins. Ken Ellis. Tim Fox. On there. Moose is also an NFL announcer now. Oh, I consider shoot. this a slight. I think everyone in Texas should be upset right now, personally. I think everyone at KTBP is about to call into the, this website if I give it out, and I think there's going to be some real problems. But we won't do that right now. Let's stay focused. Uh, today is, of course, uh, a day where football fans are mourning Dallas Cowboys Hall of Famer Gil Brandt who was 91 years old when he passed away today, Link Man. You didn't know this about him, but he was one of the player personnel architects of, like, early Cowboys, from, like, 60 to, oh, like, 19... Good. Yeah. <laughs> from 1960 to 1988. So he was around in, like, the Roger Staubach era, the Ed Too Tall Jones era. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So one of my friends who's a Cowboys fan was trash-talking the Steelers yesterday. And I said, yo, the last time the Cowboys won a Super Bowl, your dad was our age. How do you feel? <laughs> Is that true? Probably. It's been more than 10,000 days I saw. Well, yeah, their last, their last Super Bowl was the Emmett Smith, Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin era of the Cowboys. That's back when Michael Irvin was snorting the 30-yard line. They couldn't measure down in distance. This, like, this, we don't actually know how many yards Emmett Smith rushed for. Thanks, Michael. <laughs> The Steelers won when I was, like, two months old, so I'll take it. Okay, but you want everybody to know, Lincoln's a big Steelers fan. Okay, if you're listening on Connect FM, if you're listening to WJAS, if you're listening on Beaver County Radio, there's a very good chance you're going to see Lincoln and I at what used to be known as Heinz Field on December the 3rd. We're working Kreiser on that, right? Stadium. Kreiser Acresher Stadium. Acresher uh, Stadium. But Lincoln wants uh, anyone who will listen to believe the Steelers have a legit playoff shot. Oh, yeah. You think so? Easy schedule, better team. Josh, like, can we get you to weigh in from the flight from the flight deck on that one? Uh, Josh. Not sure. Ooh, all right. That's not exactly. Tomlin never had a losing season, though. Well, that matters. Uh-huh. They were in a rebuilding year without T.J. Watt last year. Uh-huh. The Jets winning a game away from the playoffs. And now you see. So I think they'll be better than that. And your guy Kenny Pickett's in year two. He's a little more seasoned. Are they going to throw the ball to George Pickens more? They should. I mean, he's better than Justin Jefferson. This is good analysis, folks. Lincoln gives you politics. He gives you the NFL. Get a little bit of college. What do you think of the Buckeyes against Indiana this weekend? They're laying 30. 30. They're favored by 30? 30. 
I have no idea who the QBs are. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> CJ Stroud. I forget the guys' names. Hopefully, they're good enough so I know who they are. They're favored by 30. That's a vote of confidence, but I don't know what to make Dude, of this. Dude, I know one. Marvin Harrison and Amika Egbuka. Well, I, I, just, I just need them to win so we don't have Mommy day drunk and we have to pull her out of the bushes again. It's bad enough we've got to do that for the rest of her family when they're in town. Yeah. Uh, Lincoln, the show's over. Good luck in 10th grade. People are fired up. And you should be proud. It's the highest level of education in our family. So take a bow. The stanky side. <laughs> Good luck with your weekend. Clark Rams first scrimmage on Saturday. I'll see Ole is on Waters World. Be a Republican. Be a Democrat. Don't be a Jimmy Fallon. I'll oh, screw you. Get him out of here. Get him out. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.